Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and joining me today is the wonderful Regold. Hey, Ray. Hey, Stace. How's life in Australia, my friend? Oh, it's getting cold over here. It's starting to really you know, get unpleasant. <laughs> and it's like, and I, I can't complain because it doesn't snow here and it doesn't really, like you would not think it was cold whatsoever, but I'm starting to complain about it. So you know that it's, it's getting cold. But on your side of the world, things are looking up. On our side of the world, today is a 71 degree day in Massachusetts, and that's the warmest it's been so far this year. Beautiful. But I'm always jealous because you're in summer when we're in winter. So enjoy this journey, my friend. (laughs) I absolutely will. I'm hoping it's going to continue heating up for when we head your way for the Dance Life Teacher Conference. And today's podcast episode is brought to you by the Dance Life Teacher Conference and the Soul Conference happening at the end of July, start of August. So exciting. And it's coming up pretty quick, Ray. It's going to be here. It is. We are just less of three months love it i cannot wait i'd like to pack my bag now but you know when you pack too early and then you forget what you've packed and you end up packing like two lots of everything because you think i must remember to have that and then you get to your destination you've got four pairs of sneakers and you've got three black tops (laughs) <laughs> three sets of jeans or like ridiculous things that you don't need uh, so I'm, I'm holding off i'm holding off. You're, you're talking to a man who's uh i don't know the two days before packer i won't say the night before i'll say three days before maybe lay the suitcase on the floor and start throwing things in <laughs> I like that style. If you want to pack your suitcase as well, you can get your tickets to the conference or bring your dancers to the Soul Conference. You can find out more at regold.com. Today we're awesome. talking about, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say awesome and I hope to see you guys there. Love, love. Today we're talking about summer because we're going to blink and it's going to be here. And of course, it's a really important time in in the life of dance studio owners and and the dance studio world, because we have the opportunity to bring new students into our studio, to introduce them to dance, to introduce them to what we do, our culture, our values, for them to get to know our faculty and and our studio space and the other kids that are there. So there is so much potential when it comes to summer. Oh, I agree with you. And I've always looked at summer as a chance to bring, I think you said it just a second ago, but new faces into the studio. Mm. Faces that I can uh, entice to registering in September. So I'm a big advocate for summer, though I am a big advocate for balancing and all of us having a chance to take some time but also strategizing summer to maximize our registration in the fall. Yeah. And I think it is about balance. 
I know there are some dance studio owners who run a really full on summer program where the studio is going all day, every day. And I know other studio owners who just say summer, absolutely not shut the doors, go away for a couple of months and then come back. And there's nothing wrong with either of those options. As long as there is a strategy behind it, you can't close the doors and and run away just because your recital was too overwhelming. And then you just, you don't want to do anything else. That's not a strategy. That's just, you know, no, but, growing up growing up that's the way it was in the summer meaning when I was a kid you closed yeah in August you ran ads and you opened in September Mm -hmm. that was just the system of things and what a beautiful summer that must have been for your mom (laughs) to just be able to step away and relax and just take it easy run an ad in August in the local paper, I bet, Ray, was it? Oh, yeah, local like paper. It was ads in the newspapers. Yep. Well, they used to be very competitive with each other. So it would start off as small squares. And by the end of registration, there'd be all these full page ads because everybody <laughs> used to try to outdo each other. And you go grab the paper every day during registration to see everybody's ads. To see the opposition. <laughs> Did you see how big her ad was? I can imagine there was a lot of buzz around. Oh, yes. And what what we didn't know was it cost us so much for those ads that uh, uh, we we didn't have enough students to take out a full-page ad in the newspaper. But because the studio up the street did, we had to. (laughs) All about perception. Yes, it was a different world back then. Now, if I was in the same place, I'd be the only one with those little teeny ads Mm -hmm. because just as effective. Yeah, absolutely. If people are looking for you, they know know what they want. Yeah. Just want the number. And so when it comes to summary, we said we've got lots of options as long as you have a strategy. And I think when it comes to strategy, it's important not just to think about dense that you have in your studio and what you can provide them for the continuation of their training. But it's also important to think about your community and what the needs are of your community when it comes to how you're going to schedule times, what themes you're going to do, you know, who's going to be around on, on the dates that you're thinking of running programs. Because if there is a need in the community, perhaps people need childcare, people need somewhere for their kids to go and you're the person stepping up and filling that role, then the selling part is going to be really easy. You're not going to have to work your butt off um, and do a thousand Facebook ads in order to get enough people through the door to make it viable. Oh, I agree. And I think our old, old perception when it came to us running, let's say a summer program or a camp was, that it was probably a week long thing and it ran from nine to five and it was usually older kids. I look at our options now and I say, wow, we can do almost anything. And you know, we can do things in the summer that have nothing to do with dance. But like you said, we'll attract the people from our community through our or into our studios who will register into our fall classes. Mm -hmm. And when I think about those options, I think about one day, three hour camps that are themed for our early childhood kids or preschool Mm -hmm. kids. 
I, I can even see it for 10 to 12 year old age group, but with a theme that's cool for that group of kids at, at this time. Um, I feel like summer options are, uh, uh, the doors flung wide open. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that, Ray, because when I used to think about summer programs, that's all I would think about. I would put on a five-day summer school, summer we call it summer dance intensive for our intensive dancers. And I would have to call every one of my senior students and say, are you coming? Are you going to be there? I, like it was so, it was such hard work that, I, you know, I had a handful of keen kids who wouldn't miss it for the world who were like I was when I was growing up. But then the rest of them, gosh, it was hard. When I started putting on programs for 10 to 12 year olds, I, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't stop. Like there were so many that would just come because that's what they were looking for during the summer. The senior girls were looking to go to the beach with their boyfriends. They right. were they, they've been, to the studio. <laughs> and they've been dancing all year and probably given up activities or, or things they wanted to do because they had this rehearsal or that rehearsal. I don't want, though, when I say that, our listeners to think, you know, we're saying don't do an intensive program. No. Do do an intensive program, but don't think that's your only option. Yes. That's the point that I want to make here. And I can run a, a ninja camp for boys and girls that has <laughs> movement in it, but it's not, I don't know what I would call a dance camp. Yep. It's a ninja camp and we mm -hmm. have ninja activities and ninja coloring and ninja who knows what, okay? I look at that as, wow, if I could get 12, 15 kids into that camp, boys and girls, and so let's say I do that and I'm making a profit already because I got a good good chunk of dancers so I'm making a profit on that one day camp and if I could get three or four of those students to register and I call every one hour student a thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. I made three or four thousand dollar bonus on running the ninja camp that was fun for the teacher fun for the kids fun for the parents yeah. and it helped my business yeah. And it didn't take a whole lot of effort, but that's, there was a strategy behind it, right? This is, I'm going to choose a theme that's going to be popular, especially amongst whoever I want to attract into the studio. Maybe if it's little kids, you want to do an, you know, an Encanto, we don't talk about Bruno day and get those, you know, five and six year old girls in um, and boys. Um, but the ninjas, you know, might be the nine and 10 year olds, whatever you feel that you want to bring in. And perhaps you're going to select a few different um, age groups as part of your strategy and, and put a few different events on. And if you times that three to $4,000 bonus read by the five days of the five different camps you put on, then you're sitting in a pretty good place for summer. Yeah. You, you, if you did that, right. Let's say you did five camps, you got four kids to register from each camp. That's a $20,000 bonus. Mm -hmm. Yep. Did we say five camps or four camps? <laughs> I lost it. But anyway, it's a big amount of money. It is. It is. But there has to be a strategy, not just behind the, the camps that you're going to plan 
and the age groups you're going to bring in, there has to be a strategy behind the process that happens between when they're in the building and when they register for fall. I think sometimes we just put on the camp and we have 15 kids turn up and we say, yes, that, you know, if half of them, you know, come back, then we're in a good position, but we don't actually nurture those customers, those brand new customers that have come in. And if we don't do that, they could just as easily walk out the door and go and sign up for soccer, no matter how much fun they had at the Ninja camp. I think thinking about the strategy behind, you know, that that process is so important. Okay. I agree with you. And I'm going to turn the tables here. What do you think a good strategy is here? Here is my, uh, I'll call it my Ninja camp. I have 13 kids registered for my Ninja camp. They're uh, pretty much all new people. Mm-hmm. What action should I take? Well, I would have a special deal on the day that if at the end of the camp, I've got myself and my staff, we're in the foyer, we've got our clipboards with our registration forms. And if they sign up on the day, on the day they get a t-shirt, they get a drink bottle, they get a something that the child can actually take in their hands and walk away with and feel good about and for those people who perhaps say no thank you and walk out the door then it's about making sure that they're on your email list when it comes to the nurturing and registration process that that's happening but I would also reach out one-on-one in that period of time between the ninja camp and when registration is really in full swing and say hey Johnny had a great time at at the ninja camp I would love to offer the Tuesday class at four o'clock or the Thursday class at five o'clock to either of these suit you. Um, If he wants to come back, he can have, you know, pay for 10 weeks, get one free or some kind of incentive that whilst they're on the phone to you, they can give you their credit card details and sign up. And then it's, then it's all done. I think it's, I think it's not okay to let them go out the door after the ninja camp and then just cross your fingers and hope that they come back. I agree. I, I want some contact. And and I love that you said you'd actually make a phone call because I think that is that that personal contact is the let's say uh, is the tipping point for someone who might be on the fence. Wow. Stacy Morgan called me from the studio today. She thought Jimmy should be in this tumbling class on Thursday. Mm -hmm. I think that is like it. However, if that isn't something you feel so comfortable with, I would reach out either through an email blast or something else and offer a deal. Uh, how, uh, thank you so much for joining us for the Ninja Camp. Johnny seemed like he loved every minute of it. I was talking to our faculty, and they'd love to see Johnny this fall. Mm-hmm. Here is a list of classes that we think that Johnny would really like. And did yes. you notice that I used his name uh, like five times? Yeah. Yeah, because that's showing them you remember him. It's making it more personable. Like I could do that same thing and say you're a child, Hmm. but it's not going to have the same effect. No, not at all. And if the thought of getting on the phone to all of those parents, if you think I don't have time for that, I'm 
busy. I've got a to-do list. I'm, you know, organizing registration or it's the middle of summer. I'm on the beach with my kids. I don't want to be doing that. The system we have in our studio is that once we have the list of the kids who participate, the teacher before they leave on the day have to give us, you know, one little piece of information about that child. Maybe that they were really slow slow to come into the room but once they did they had a big smile on their face perhaps you know their favorite part of the day was the coloring in and for another child you know they loved being upside down so the tumbling class would be perfect that goes on the list and then that list goes to a completely different staff member that's in charge of that like this is part of her role that customer nurturing and she makes the phone call and she says miss beck said that johnny had a great time in the class and that you know he's the tumbling was his favorite he really loved being upside down here's the options to go forward it doesn't have to be you it doesn't have to be the teacher that taught the class i know for so many of my teachers they're afraid of the telephone i'm not sure why but they just are they will happily teach 50 kids in a room but they will definitely not make a phone call to one person so i have someone who's really good at that and that's that's part of their role. We just have to prepare them as, as well as possible. If they're not prepared, they don't know Johnny, if they weren't in the class and they don't know what Johnny liked that, that they avoid that phone call. So we give them as much preparation as possible and then they go and do a great job. And that helps the registration at the end of the day. As you were talking, I agree with every point you just made and, and, that your strategy, but I was thinking of this, I couldn't help it. Maybe it would help us to make that phone call and not so much the faculty, but us personally, if we said, this could be a thousand dollar phone call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's worth getting off the beach for. (laughs) Yeah. Or be on the beach, but the next day you're going to make 10 phone calls. Yeah. And so you make 10 phone calls. Let's say that takes you an hour. Well, call it two hours mm-hmm. and you get four kids. That was $4,000 for two hours work. Yep. Mm. Worth it. But sometimes we don't think that sometimes we go, oh, that's just another thing we have to do. Oh, do we really have to? When I think it's, it's quite smart to think about the, um, yeah, the outcome. Think about the outcome. And and I don't say that. I hope people listening don't think that what I'm saying is it's about the money because it, it, that isn't why I'm making the phone call. I'm making the phone call so that I can bring in that income for myself, but to better my school, to pay my faculty, to, to grow this business and help it to flourish. It's not like, okay, I'm into the money, so I'm going to make this phone call. This Mm -hmm. is your future. This is your business worth the time. You're investing your time for return on the investment. Yep. Yep. 100%. And so back to the intensive kids, Re, I now do a three-day intensive for my seniors and it starts later in the day so they can go to the beach in the morning if they like. They still do their six, seven hours worth of dance, but they don't have to come in until lunchtime. And so they get the best of both worlds. They're more likely to still, you know, want to attend if they have had the morning hanging out with their friends. And that is enough for them to kind of re-spark their interest and and keep their bodies conditioned so that when we go back to class, they're in, they're in a good spot. And we get guest teachers to come in, you know, and 
give them extra inspiration. We give them classes that they're not normally having as part of our curriculum. So they're trying something new and something fun. We try and keep it fun for that age group. Um, but there's there's less of the pressure of the sell of registration because these are the kids that are mo- most likely coming back anyway. But it's still a, it's still part of our strategy because it's again you know a whole event that we have to plan. And last year, I didn't even attend. I had COVID during our summer dance intensive and didn't go. And it was the first time in the history that I hadn't been there for every day to meet and greet the kids and to teach them in some of the classes. And I couldn't go this year. And the whole thing just kept running. The world kept turning. And it made me think, maybe this year I'll just go in for one day. Yeah. We don't realize sometimes that we can trust those around us mm-hmm. and that we can delegate so that, you know, you, you somebody like you who, who experienced COVID, you looked around and everything just ran. How cool is that? You obviously did a good job along the way to have a team that's like, okay, Stacy's out, we're on and we got this. Yep. And I, you know, I think, I have an incredible team, but so many of us do. And so much of the last six, 12 months has been someone's out, off, off we go. Everybody, everybody pulls up, everybody, you know, band-aids this and band-aids that to make sure that things continue to run. And if you're blessed with a team like that, like I am, we, um, we're pretty lucky. We're, uh, I'm changing the subject. Take me back though, after I do <laughs> Uh, here in the States right now, it's interesting. We're in competition season and for a couple of years, it was block scheduling. So, you know, you go in with your school and that would be your experience. They do the awards online, etc. So now we're back into full mode. So many people want to dance. So the competitions are jammed. Mm-hmm. And now people come home after a weekend, they got three teachers out and nine yeah. kids out, <laughs> right? It's like this norm thing that's, oh, we did a competition last week. I need to cover three teachers. Two of my parents are sick and, you know, nine kids are out. And we've kind of gotten used to this, this way of life. Imagine prior to COVID, our reaction to nine of our 40 kids being out. Yeah. (laughs) And three of our teachers. That's enough to make my heart skip a beat, but it's so true. And we had a competition last week, Ree, and usually like I can pretty much tell my immune system because it's, it's so, it's such a pattern now that I will have a competition weekend and then come down with a head cold the next day, like clockwork. It just, it, my body just holds on to all of it, gets through the competition and then bang. And this, this was our first competition back. And it was frightening because I kept testing and thinking, am I okay? Like, is it just, and my husband just kept saying, this happens every time. <laughs> this is nothing <laughs> new. You just have a head cold. And I did just have a head cold, but it's, um, it's a different world when, yeah, we're going to competitions that end up being super spreader yeah. events. And it super really spreader that. events. Yeah. Um, I Taking us back, I wanted to say something about 
Well, first of all, I love that you did three days. I, I love that you gave them half days based on what their needs are. Um, but I also would like our listeners to consider some uh, when it comes to the intensive dancers or even our intermediate and advanced dancers that we can offer summer events, let's say a two-day choreography workshop. Yeah. Let's say a triple threat workshop where they're doing voice, drama, dance. There are things to entice our dancers to want to do more in the summer. But I think one of the things that we have to work on is, and I know there's a difference when we bring in master teachers, but giving them a totally different experience. Yeah. Right? Like what kid who's 14, 15, dancing all the time, doesn't want to be a choreographer? Mm -hmm. And can't they gain something from that experience that, had we not thought of running that workshop, they never would have got that education. Yeah. And not just enhancing their skills, but lighting that fire of that passion for choreography. Right. And and it might not just be choreography. It might be the triple threat, somebody who has never sung before and then goes into that workshop and goes, oh, hang on a second. This could be something that, that I really enjoy. Like I think summer's a perfect time to ignite those different passions for different kids that, that is out of the square, out, out of the box, out of the norm that we, we normally offer them. I'm uh, all for that. I think that's what we need to be doing to attract or to entice our more advanced dancers to want to do more. I mean, we're not talking summer here, but I mean it in a all the time uh, way now. Um, again, going off, but we'll come right back. Um, today, I was watching a master class, uh, ballet class with Ashley Canturner, and it was a pretty uh, advanced level, intermediate, probably leaning more towards advanced level floor bar. Mm. And I thought to myself, and Ashley confirmed it because I asked her at the end of the class, when I was younger and she was younger and we grew up in a, a ballet class, we basically did the same class every week in the same format every week. And it did make good dancers, okay? But there are so many new ways she, in this floor bar. She's, she's teaching a whole new concept. And and I look at that and I go, okay, this is where the kids are in the 21st century. We have to move and give them the uniqueness, the, the latest trends that are going to not trend. I don't want it to be like a quick trend uh, perceived as that. But where is dance education going? And whether it's summer or during our regular season, what can we bring to the table for our kids that's going to give them different perceptions of our art form, perspectives of our art form? And even I'll go back to make this point. There could be a dancer that I look at as uh, she's got potential, but I'll call her average. 
I could do this choreography camp. And she becomes the star of that camp. Like I had no idea she had this creativity inside yeah. of her. And isn't that who we are? Yeah. Trying to pull that out of our people. Mm -hmm. I can see that girl who takes the triple threat camp, finding out she's a great singer and leaving us and going to a voice school the following year too. Yeah. Well, not leaving us. Adding, adding some vocal lessons. Adding, too. adding. Okay, we'll go that way. <laughs> but I hope people are getting, yeah, I hope people are getting that the point. Even the camps with little kids, even your intensive programs, be out of the box. Don't be afraid to try something new. And and if you're trying something new and it's a three-hour camp or a three-hour program or a one-day program, what do you really have to lose? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it might take a little bit of effort and work in the beginning, especially if you're writing a new curriculum and that's, you know, based on a new Disney movie or a new craze that's that's rocking your community. But it's so worth it. Yeah, so uh, rocking your community. <laughs> I have a hard, I have a hard time uh, looking on social media and seeing how many people are doing Encanto and just using the logo and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Frozen. I think it was Eddie Perner who says Frozen is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that way about Encanto, but when I was younger and I was running camps in my mother's studio, we'd be like, oh, you can't call it that because, you know, it's, it's, you're infringing on a copyright, et cetera. And I see our field just doing it freely. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not telling you I have an opinion. I'm just telling you it's so interesting. It's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So I think the overall, you know, takeaway is have a strategy. Don't just go into summer and think I'll just throw together what I've done every other year because it's worked in the past. Think about a strategy that you want. And that strategy could be that you don't want to do anything. And that's totally fine too. But think about the strategy overall, who, which age groups you want to target, how you want to bring people in to the studio. And then most importantly, how you want to convert those people to, you know, full registration clients. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, try to turn every new person who walks through the studio during the summer into a fall enrollment. And also, while I, I know I'm taking us off one more time, but those people who come in for that camp, they may also be the people that you bring in through a six or eight week program as well. So don't just think I'm going to try to get them in for the whole season. And if they don't register, you failed that, that I forget, Johnny, that little boy who came in could join that six week tumbling program in January. And that feels right to the parent. Yeah. And you know, that's more, that's more money in your pocket. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. This was, this was a fun talk. I, I will add this to, before we close this out, 
when you're scheduling your summer and you're looking at your calendar and you're deciding when you want to do these things, at the same time, schedule the time that you're going to take for yourself during the summer. Put it right on the schedule with all three of those camps or intensives that you're doing and mark it off that this is your time. You're out. Yep. Don't, don't forget to do that. Put the out of office on your email. Put the voicemail on your phone, the office phone and your mobile and step away. Step away. And enjoy the journey, you guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks, Ray. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production.